0: my uh, favorite offer, authors is A.W. Tozer, and um, this week I was reading again something that I had read several years ago, and I thought it was really appropriate again, and And it's kind of a provoking thought if you think about it. Here's what, here's what he wrote. He wrote that if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. He said if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Now I think he's probably on the right track here. I don't know if his numbers are exactly right. But as we look in the, in the New Testament, as we look especially in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit working in the early church. And the Holy Spirit did all kinds of things there. He empowered the people to do what they did. And and it was really obvious, if you read that, that they couldn't have done the things that they did without the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of them. And I think today we uh, we have largely gotten to the place in our personal lives sometimes and in the life of the church where we're no longer dependent on the Holy Spirit quite like that. That we do all these things on our own, in, in our own strength, in our own power. And, and today we're going to see how that 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 is so important that we have the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. Now I can understand, I guess to an extent, why we sometimes struggle with this idea of the Holy Spirit working within us. And even in the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament, the book of Acts, as we see Him working, it's not exactly clear how He works. Does He speak audibly? Does He does he just give people impressions? Does he lead by circumstances? Does he do all those things? It's really not clear sometimes exactly how he works. And so when he begins to work in our lives, um, sometimes I think we can be reluctant to share that. And there was a, a Hungarian um, American psychiatrist named Thomas Szasz, and and he said this that I think is kind of tells us why. He 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 said that. If you talk to God, you are praying. If God talks to you, you have schizophrenia. And, and I think that's kind of the, the reaction of the world sometimes, isn't it? And maybe even rightly so. I mean, think of all the things that have been done over the, over the ages where people claim God told me to do that, right? Right? Some horrible atrocities have been carried out. And so I think I I can understand sometimes the reluctance for us to say, yeah, God led me to do this or or God told me to do this or or even to depend on the Holy Spirit the way that the early church did because it's not something that our, our culture looks at and really values to a large degree. But we need to make sure that we don't allow that kind of thinking to paralyze us. And to get away from the power that the Holy Spirit does have to has to uh, to work in our lives. Last week I mentioned a book that I've been rereading again. It's a book called Forgotten, Bod, uh, Forgotten God, written by a pastor named Francis Chan, and, and in his book he writes this. He says, "I don't believe God wants me or any of us, any of His children, to live in a way that makes sense from the world's perspective." A way I know I can, quote, manage. I believe he is calling me and all of us to depend on him for living in a way that cannot be mimicked or forged. He wants us to walk with his spirit rather than depend solely on the raw talent and knowledge he's given us. I think that's really true. And we have a tendency, just as human beings, sometimes to depend so much on, on what we can do. And we sometimes, I think, do ignore the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, last week we began this, spirit, this series by talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And because what we talked about last week is such an important foundation for what we're going to learn this morning, I want to take just a brief moment to review some of the important things that we that we learned last week. The first thing that we talked about is the fact that the Holy Spirit is 100% God. He's not a different kind of God. He's not a lesser God. He's 100% God. We also talked about the fact that He's a person and not just this impersonal force that, that we want to refer to the Holy Spirit as He and not it. And then we began to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the first thing that we learned there was that Every disciple of Jesus receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of placing one's faith in Jesus. That we don't have to do anything special. There's not a second work that we have to do. That the very moment that I place my faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in me. And not only does he do that temporarily, but the next thing we talked about is that from that moment, the Holy Spirit dwells permanently in that person's life. There, there's nothing we did to get him in the first place, so there's nothing we can get him to do to leave. Now, we can, we can quench him, we can ignore him, we, we don't have to follow him, but, but he's going to stay there and live there permanently. And then finally, the last thing we talked about was the fact that the Holy Spirit is a helper. He comes alongside us. He's not a dictator. He won't force us to do what He wants us to do. And that's going to be really important today as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is there. He wants to do great things in our life, but He's not going to force us to do that. So today we want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, kind of like the batteries that I talked about with the kids, that, that power He has to do His work inside of us. And I want to begin this morning with um, Jesus' last words that He spoke before He before he ascended to his father this is after the resurrection in acts chapter 1 verse 8 some of you are probably familiar with these words but here's what jesus said to his disciples but you will receive what power you'll receive power when when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth now i want you to to think about the context here in which jesus said these words remember he has a large group gathered here. This is not just the 12 or the 11 that are left, I guess. It's, it's a large group of disciples if you read it in context. And so one, what we find right away is that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. It's not just for some super spiritual Christians. It's for everyone. And Jesus said when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going he's to give you power. And today we're going to talk about that power and how we can recognize that power in our lives and what what the purpose of the power is and we begin to get a clue right here what the purpose of the power is what is why does jesus say he's going to send the holy spirit why does he say he's going to empower the disciples so they can be his witnesses They're in jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth at least what was the known world at that point in time and the first thing that we see here is that the power of the holy spirit is not about me Am I going to benefit from the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life? Absolutely, but it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about being a witness for Him. It's about glorifying Him, and we're going to see that over and over and over again this morning. It's not about making me happy. It's not about making me rich. It's not about giving me my best life now. It's about glorifying Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. And, and, and we're going to see that again over and over and over again this morning. So here's the big idea that we're going to take away today, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in a way that is consistent with God's character and God's Word. And we're going to see that particularly. I want you to have that idea as I read this morning from John chapter 16. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can go ahead and and turn there to John chapter 16. You'll remember last week we saw that Jesus began this discourse that that he spoke to his disciples just a matter of a few hours before he's going to go to the cross. And there in chapter 14 of John, he talked to them about the presence of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week. Now as we get to John chapter 16, he's going to actually tell us about the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles... Go ahead and turn there to, uh, to John chapter 16, I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Remember, we looked at that verse last week and we we made the point that that it's better to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives here on earth than it would be to have the physical presence of Jesus here. And that's what he says. It's to your advantage that I go away so that you get the Holy Spirit in your life. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we see right here that that this is all about glorifying Jesus. He says, that's why the Holy Spirit is going to come. He kind of says that implicitly, but then he gets to verse 14 and he makes it really explicit here. The whole reason that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit is so that he will glorify me. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to talk about what are some of the ways that that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in our lives. Now, this passage in John, it's not... It's not everything that the Bible has to say about how that's going to happen. That's for sure. There's some other places like, for instance, Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible tells us there that part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life is to assure us of the salvation that we have through Jesus. Or you can go to Romans chapter 8, and there in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit, when we don't even know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. And those are no less important than what I'm going to share with you this morning. It's just that we don't have time to cover them in the same kind of detail. So I'd encourage you, go back and look at those passages. See what the Holy Spirit does in those areas. But what I want us to really understand this morning is from this passage, there's three things that Jesus tells us here, three ways that the power of the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in our life, because that's his main purpose. The first thing it tells us he does is that he convicts. He convicts. The very first encounter that all of us had with the Holy Spirit if we have faith in Jesus was the fact that he came into our life and he convicted us of our sin and of our need for a Savior. And that's the work that he does. And this is really tied back now to what we saw in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Because remember back there Jesus said the reason you're going to get power is you're going to be my witnesses. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't need me. He doesn't need you to draw other people to Jesus. He could do that on his own. Would you all agree? Right? But, in, but he chooses to use us in that process. That's an amazing thing. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying that, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be part of that process through which the Holy Spirit convicts other people of their sin and of their need for a Savior. And that he gives us the right words to say when that comes along. That's part of how he empowers us. And, it, and when we do that, when we become part of that process, when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to use us in the process of convicting people of their sin, then that brings glory to Jesus. He comes along he convicts them that they're sinners. He, he convicts them that without the righteousness of Jesus Christ that they're going to face judgment. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be part of that process. I don't claim to understand how that works. I'm just grateful that God could choose to use me in that process even though he doesn't need to. The second thing here it says is that that he guides us. In particular it says here in verse 13 that he guides us into truth. Now we have to keep in context this in context here remember that just a chapter before this or a couple chapters before this back in chapter 14 Jesus said I am what I'm the truth right and so part of the role of the Holy Spirit it says here is to guide us into truth and the idea here is that it the Holy Spirit he guides us to Jesus he guides us to to remember the things of Jesus he guides us to live in a way that we can give glory to Jesus, that we can obey His commands. As we saw last week, Jesus began talking about the Holy Spirit by saying, Obey my commandments. And He says, and I'm going to send you someone to help you to do that. And so the Holy Spirit is going to guide us back to Jesus. It's going to guide us back to Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. But how exactly does He do that? There's a key little word in verse 13 here. It's the word for. And when you see that word in the Bible, it's usually in there as, a, as kind of an indication that now the Bible writers are about to explain the reason for something or explain how it works. And the word for here tells us how the Holy Spirit guides us, and that leads us to the third way he does it. It says that he speaks and he declares. That's how the Holy Spirit guides us. Now, when Jesus was here on earth several different times, he said this, something like this. He said, you know what? I don't speak on my own authority. I only speak what the Father tells me to speak, basically. And when he did that, he said, the Father gets glory out of that. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit says here, I don't speak on my own authority. He says, I only speak what I hear from the Father, what I hear from Jesus. And when I do that, that gives glory to Jesus and so he speaks to us he declares to us the truths of Jesus and that's how he guides and and, and leads us but how exactly does he do that I mean that isn't that what you guys really want to know how how does the Holy Spirit speak and how does he guide now I wish I could give you like Okay, here's the four steps, and the Holy Spirit will guide you if you just do these four steps, but it's not really quite that easy. I mean, if I go back to the the New Testament, if I go back to the book of Acts, and I look at the way that the Holy Spirit worked there, it was clear that He worked, but we don't get a whole lot of detail about how He worked did he speak audibly like i said before did he speak audibly did he did he just give impressions did he lead by circumstances did he do some combination and and the fact is we really don't know so it seems to me that the the key here is that i need to begin to understand how do i recognize the the voice of the holy spirit because there's all these there's all these other voices out there that i can listen to i don't know about you but I've had times in my life when I've definitely had inner impressions from from God that I know are from the Holy Spirit speaking to my human spirit. I know that. I've never audibly heard His voice. It came pretty close once in my life. I didn't hear a voice, but the time when God called me to to be a pastor, I was sitting in a church service, and and just kind of out of the blue, God speaks to me through that, and I knew that it was the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me then. but I can't just give you this, like, here's how to do it. What I can do is probably give you some some clues, some guidelines, some tests to apply. And a lot of what I've learned over the years about listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit came from a book called Listening to the Voice of God that was written by uh, Pastor Roger Barrier. Some of you know him. He's a pastor here at Cassius. As a matter of fact, the day that God called me to be a pastor, I was sitting... In church listening to roger preach so kind of interesting how god did that now i'm not going to just give you the the seven or eight or nine things that that he wrote down i'm going to kind of incorporate them into into that as well as some other things that i think i've learned plus what we can find from this passage this morning fact is every time a voice speaks it's not from the holy spirit sometimes it could be from satan right satan could he tries to enter our thoughts Gets us to think things. Could be just my own selfish desires sometimes. Could be the Mexican food I had for dinner last night. I mean, you know. So how do I know when it's really the Holy Spirit? Well, let me, let me share with you, I think, some guidelines that, that you can use. Here's the first one. And I think probably the most important one. It will always be 100% consistent with the Bible. It will always be 100% consistent with the Bible. You know, sometimes I'll write an email or I'll send a text to somebody and they'll misunderstand it. And there's a lot of reasons that could, you know, when you're writing something down, you don't really kind of get the the feeling behind it or things like that. I might use some words that mean something different to them than what they meant to me. could be all kinds of misunderstandings. So over the years, I've learned that that sometimes I have to actually get with that person. I have to explain to them, here's, here's what I wrote. Now, I'm the only one that can do that because I'm the one that wrote it, right? If one of you guys tried to explain it on my behalf, you'd mess it all up. So I'm the only one that can do that. in, this, in the Holy Spirit operates a lot like that when it comes to the word of God and he can do that because he is the author of the Bible and so he's the one who's in the best position to explain it. Peter tells us about this he writes about how how the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible here's what he wrote in second Peter chapter one knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, and here's the key part, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Every word we have in the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was written by human authors, but every word they wrote down was inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit. And Paul confirms the same thing in 2 Timothy, chapter three, verse 16. He says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God." That, that phrase "breathed out by God" is a really interesting phrase. In Greek, it's one word. And it's a word that Paul probably made up. We don't find it anywhere else in the liter- Greek literature anywhere. <clears throat> and it's a, a compound word that's a combination between the word for God and the word for breath. And the word for breath is the same word that's also translated spirit. And so he's literally saying that all Scripture is Holy-spirited out by God almost. He's making it clear again with this wordplay that all Scripture is written by God, that God is the author of Scripture, or the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, is the author of Scripture. And so therefore, if we have questions about Scripture, who's the best person to help us to understand the Scripture? It's the Holy Spirit because he authored it a lot of people will say something like this well my interpretation of the scripture is this have you heard that before and someone else will say no well my interpretation is this i'm here to tell you this morning there's only one true interpretation of scripture and you know who can give us that true interpretation the author the holy spirit so here's, here's the practical application, I think, for us. When I sit down and I begin to read the Bible, one of the things I do every time is I pray, Holy Spirit, would you guide me into truth? Would you show me in this passage what you intended? Will you help me to understand what I'm reading and to apply it in my life? And I think that's a prayer that God will answer. And that, the, the Bible is by far... The most important and I think the most frequent way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reminds us of the things of Jesus because this Bible is the story of Jesus from cover to cover. And so that's always the first test. If you think you hear something from God and it's inconsistent with anything in His Word, it is not the Holy Spirit. I can guarantee you that. Here's the second test that you might want to apply. And that is that He speaks when we are actively seeking Him. Now, the Holy Spirit is capable of speaking to us anytime. I'm not saying that's the only time, but, but that's the time He tends to speak to us most. I look back through the examples in the, in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit would come and speak to someone. In almost every instance, that person was actively seeking after God in some way. They were praying. They were sharing the gospel. They were serving someone else in the name of Jesus and that's when the Holy Spirit would show up and guide them and and speak to them. And I think the same thing is true for us. You want the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Then get away to a quiet place and open up your Bible and pray and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit. Now I'm going to hear an audible voice but I think He will speak to you if you do that when you're actively seeking after Him. The Bible is has a lot to say about the fact that we will find God when we're actively seeking after Him. The third thing here that we need to do, or the third test we can apply, is this one, that He speaks with gentle leadings. But is this the opposite of the world, right? I mean, think about every kind of advertisement that you see. The purpose of that is to try to get me to do something right now, to convince me I need something right now, that I've got to act right now. And if I don't do it, it's going to be gone. I mean, if you don't believe me, have you? Mary and I did this one time. We were on a vacation, and and we decided we would go to a, a timeshare presentation so we could get a free luau. That was the most expensive free luau ever. Because they, they, they won't let you out of there. And that's what the world does. It, it tries to get you to do something right here and now. The Holy Spirit works just the opposite way. Again, look at the examples in the book of Acts. I mean, Philip, is, is, he's just been preaching the gospel. and He's along the road, and the Holy Spirit just gently nudges him to go up and share the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. Or Paul's prevented from going into Macedonia by the Holy Spirit. And it's not like, like God hits him over the head with a two-by-four or something. He just gently leads him. So the the Holy Spirit tends to speak with these gentle leadings. The next text that we can, can apply is this, is that his voice produces peace and order. We live in a world that's full of chaos. We live in a world that's full of disorder, disunity. And none of that is from God. None of that's from his Holy Spirit. God is a God of peace. God is a God of order. And as we said earlier, that that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us to live in a way that's consistent with God's character. We see this very clearly in the book of Romans. We see that, that the role of the Holy Spirit is to produce peace and joy in our life. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants for us. The world isn't going to speak and produce peace and order. But the Holy Spirit, that, that's what he wants to produce in our lives. Then we have the next test that we can apply. And this is the one that's going to kind of bring us full circle, is that his voice spotlight, spotlights Jesus above all else. Here in the auditorium right on the ceiling above you, we have all these spotlights up here that are shining in my face right now. But we didn't put those up there so that every week you would come in here and go, wow, those are really cool spotlights, right? We did that so that you can see what's going up here on the the stage, And so if you came in and said, what great spotlights, and you didn't see what was going on here, they really wouldn't be serving their purpose. Now, I'm going to tell you that this analogy breaks down at some point because the reason we have the spotlights up there is not to bring attention to those of us who are up here. Our goal is always to bring attention to Jesus. It's just to to make it a little easier to see what's going on and to create an atmosphere here. But that's a lot. Those spotlights are a lot like the way the Holy Spirit works. His goal is not to bring attention to himself. His goal is not to bring attention to us. His goal is to point the way to Jesus. And if he is speaking, he will always put the spotlight on Jesus. So that brings us all the way back around to where we started a little bit ago with our main idea. And that is that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in a way that is consistent with God's character and God's word. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were all gathered there together. And the Holy Spirit came down upon them. And the people that observed that, at first they thought these people were crazy. They accused them of being drunk. But the one thing they didn't do was, was keep the attention there on those people. You know, after the Holy Spirit came down and... and, and poured his power on those people, nobody said, hey, isn't it really cool how all these people learned a new language in just one day? Nobody said, man, I've never heard Peter speak like that before. He must have taken a public speaking class. No, the attention wasn't there at all. It says that they were cut to the heart. And that 3,000 of them that day gave their lives to Jesus Christ and were baptized. And who did that bring glory to? That brought glory to Jesus. Not to anyone else. It brought glory to Jesus. There are some of you here this morning who maybe have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And my prayer for you this morning is that Everything that we've been doing here this morning, the music, the prayers, the the preaching, the in the back, everything together, that the Holy Spirit has been using that in your life, not to bring attention to any of us up here, but to point the way to Jesus Christ and to convict you of your sin and to convict you that you need a Savior. And if you're sensing that in any way this morning, I can tell you, confidently based on the word of God that is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you don't want to ignore that so we want to encourage you and invite you today to make a decision to to put your faith in Jesus Christ now if you've already done that then there's really one simple test that we've talked about this morning to really understand whether or not the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and here's that test is Jesus being glorified in your life. If He is, then I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you because that's His role, that's His purpose in pouring power into your life. Other people looking at your life and saying, man, there's something different about that person and it must be their relationship with Jesus. If not, what are you going to do about it? What practical steps are you going to take in your life to make sure that that is true? How are you going to apply the principles that we've learned today so that you will listen to the Holy Spirit and obey Him and have your life give glory to Jesus? I want to close this morning with one more quote from the forgotten God that I think really lays out for us what God wants for all of us when it comes to having the power of the Holy Spirit poured into our life. Here's what Francis Chan writes. I do not know what the Spirit will do or where He'll lead me each time I invite Him to guide me. But I am tired of living in a way that looks exactly like people who do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. I want to consistently live with an awareness of His strength. I want to be different today. From what I was yesterday, as the fruit of the spirit becomes manifest in me. Father, that's, that's our prayer this morning: that the spirit of God and the power of God will be manifest in our lives in a way that would bring glory and honor to Jesus. Father, for some this morning, that might mean giving their life to you for the first time. And Father, I pray that you would do that work, that your Holy Spirit would convict them about sin and righteousness and judgment right now. And for the rest of us, Father, I pray you'd help us to make an honest evaluation of our lives and to ask whether, in fact, Jesus is really being glorified. If not, Father, would you show us the way to really grasp on to the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives? Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.